Oh no, you're not getting smacked for just one game today. Well, we'll settle down, settle down, settle down to take both cheeks slapping right now because we got two games on a Monday. These games started a lovely time of like 4.35 p.m. East Coast time. I cannot wait when we have that on a Wednesday in the mid-afternoon, late afternoon. It was a great time because, you know, you just you don't got to wait up until midnight to see the results of your fantasy scores, especially this week, which is the sweat week for fantasy playoffs. It's going to come down to Tuesday because, oh yes, we have a showdown slate on a Tuesday. We have a showdown slate and a two-game slate tonight that we're breaking down right now. We have a showdown slate on a Thursday, so there's going to be a a ton of football and then not to mention in like two weeks it's going to be friday christmas football saturday three game slate football if you haven't looked ahead and then a full-on main slate on sunday that's going to be in a couple of weeks on christmas week so we got football almost every single day when you factor in college football it's a ton of fun ladies and gentlemen fellas 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 there you go there it is we're going to be breaking down this two game slate where there's a million dollar ruskies to first we're going to be going position by position i have my rankings i have my projections value projections super draft the only thing i have to right now do in a couple hours i'll probably do it once i have more updated information and data is ownership projections but all of that you can follow along with right now if you're watching this just link down below on patreon click it open it up get it and do what you got to do to follow along for the projections rankings and you can see where i'm coming from early on then later on today it's not a late night slate we're going to be covering the two game slate on our live stream so around 3 p.m east coast time i'll go live for about an hour or so we'll talk about my 150 max lineup builds super draft some other stuff so be sure to hit that like button big old subscribe button pops up as we try and push towards our goal of 35,000 subscribers towards the end of the year tell your mother your brother your friend your aunt your uncle your sister your nephew whatever you got to be doing tell them all to hit that subscribe button for us here so we can get to that goal and the notification bell so you'll know when i go live and upload new content so with that being said we're about to kick off right into this bad boy give you some information smack you about all of it tell you about some of the projections and rankings behind the paywall on patreon and let you know this video is sponsored by Superdraft, the multiplier format right now in Superdraft. Let me pull up some of my projections. We'll start with the quarterback position for Superdraft. So Superdraft's a multiplier format. So for example, tonight, Josh Allen over on Superdraft, and if you use my name, Sal, they'll give you some free money up to $1,000 in a slow drip format. So be sure to do that. But Josh Allen has a 1x multiplier. So let's say Josh Allen scores 18 points tonight. He will have 18 fantasy points, 18 times his 1x multiplier. But we have Nick Mullins, who Nick Mullins has a 1.7x multiplier tonight. And let's say Nick Mullins scores about 15 fantasy points tonight. Well, then Nick Mullins is going to go on and score around 26 fantasy points and far out duel Josh Allen, who he actually scores less DraftKings points then, but because of his multiplier, he'll look better. So tonight I actually have Nick Mullins looking like my best fantasy quarterback option on super draft that is not so much on DraftKings right now but on super draft i have as my highest projected a little peek behind the curtain again using my name sal the multiplier format on super draft gets you that bonus a lot of people are winning on super draft thousands and tens and twenties and thirties of thousands of dollars have been won by individual members in our patreon discord so be sure to check it out linked down below superdraft.io promo code sal the proud partners of this monday two game slate millie make a football we cannot wait let's get on into it right now as we get over to the quarterback watch yourself Watch yourself. Let's get on into it as we get onto these quarterbacks right now, starting off with Mr. Joshua Allen himself. And Josh Allen has been kind of just patchy, right? He had that nice start to the season, and then he started facing some good defenses, and the team started to run the ball a lot more as they were kind of even during that time when he was throwing a lot. And then he sees the get right spot of them all, which is actually an improving slightly defense, which is we'll put air quotes on that as they face terrible teams and we'll continue to do so. The Seattle secondary, where he ends up scoring 36 fantasy points, 39, I believe, if you take into account the DraftKings bonus, since he went for over 400 yards, 415 yards a second second highest of his career, the highest was set in week two at 417. Then he faces Arizona, not the greatest of teams. He scores 28.4 points. That's a nice little stretch. Then he gets the Chargers, who are not a good defense. And Cole Beasley ends up throwing a touchdown, limiting Josh Allen to just 16.5 fantasy points in that game on 157 yards passing. So Josh Allen right now, he's going to lead this slate in a decent amount of metrics, which is why he's going to be a yes early on for me, as you can see. He leads the slate in yards per game passing right now by over 20 right now. He leads the slate by far, and he's the only dual threat quarterback on this slate, right? You're getting right now Josh Allen 28.3 
rushing yards per game. So it's hard to ignore this. He has the number one offensive line as well, just a 4.2 sack percentage when everybody else is above an 8% sack percentage. So this is a guy on the slate who's not throwing interceptions, who has a lot of overall passing yards per game, who is averaging a nice meaty 35 attempts per game, the second highest on the slate behind Big Ben, and you get that rushing upside. If Josh Allen rushes for 38 yards tonight, you're just not going to find those three to four fantasy points anywhere else as easily from these other quarterbacks. Nick Mullins is going to have to throw a touchdown or 100 yards. Same for every single guy in the slate, and it's much more difficult for those guys to get there like Alex Smith and Nick Mullins when their touchdown props right now are already sitting at like one to one and a half. So it's just a massive advantage for Josh Allen to have that rushing upside. He's going to be coming in right now as my highest projected overall quarterback on Patreon, which you can check out down below. I have him on DraftKings tonight projected for 20.5 fantasy points. Again, on Superdraft, we prefer Nick Mullins right now, but on DraftKings, without those multipliers, just for the salary at $7,300, you're going to have enough salary to get to him. You're going to basically have to patch together wide receiver in a way that's unique, maybe, but there's cheap enough tight ends. There's cheap enough running backs. So Josh Allen at $7,300 looks like a very strong option, especially when you factor in they're actually coming in as a one point underdog, I believe on the road in this one. So playing from behind a 23 implied team total is virtually the same as everybody else in the slate. Steelers have a 25 implied team total. The 49ers have a 24 implied team total as a one point favorite right now over Buffalo. And then Alex Smith's Washington football team only has an 18 and a half. So that 23 implied total for Allen, pretty much the same. But being a one point underdog, you could assume that they're going to actually get him up to those 35 or so pass attempts in this one. Next up, we go to Ben Roethlisberger, who's also going to be a yes for me because you get a nice $900 discount off of him. Now he's questionable for this game. So just keep a close eye on that. If anything changes, uh, any news, we'll update it on the live stream later today, update the ownership for that. But he's having a nice little stretch, right? He finishes a top 10 quarterback, top eight quarterback in back-to-back weeks versus Dallas and Cincinnati two pretty bad defenses. Against Jacksonville, he throws 46 times and has 17.7 fantasy points. And this is the thing that makes Ben Roethlisberger insanely appealing. His last month, his last four games so far this year, 42 pass attempts, 46, 46, and 51 freaking pass attempts. The guy's averaging 38 pass attempts on the year. But over this last month, over these last four games, he's basically averaging around 46 pass attempts per game. That's pretty insane. And these are in games where they're leading by a lot against Jacksonville. They're blowing them out by multiple scores in the second half. And he still throws 46 times, has a 70% completion percentage. He's not picking up all that much yard his highest yardage number, even though he's thrown 42 more times in all these games, is just 313. But he's finding the passing touchdowns, right? During the span right now, he has 10 passing touchdowns over his last four games. In that last game, the divisional matchup on like a weird night game in terms of the Wednesday night game against Baltimore is weird to see 51 attempts. I'm a little bit worried that he's on five days rest playing a lot of football right now. Their schedule's all wonky and he's throwing a ton. How sore is that arm? He's injured right now coming into this one. But you're getting that price discount into it as the highest implied team total at 25 tonight. Uh, six and a half point favorites, a $6,400 Ben Roethlisberger is going to be appealing for me. I like the upside that you're getting. He's number five in deep attempts this year. He's number two in the NFL in attempts with 431. Now, again, his efficiency has not been great. He's getting there on volume. So anybody that's screaming on on these, I mean, you're obviously just trying to get attention if you get these uh, jabronis on uh, ESPN and stuff saying that Ben Roethlisberger, I think I saw Skip Bayless, Ben Roethlisberger is the MVP this year. This man is averaging 6.5 yards per attempt. That's 29th in the NFL right now. His accuracy rating is 22nd in the NFL. His play action passing is 36 in the NFL, right? His deep ball completion percentage is 32nd in the NFL. This is out of 32 starting teams, right? 32 starting quarterbacks. That's not that good at all. His clean pocket, his clean pocket when there's no pressure on him, he ranks 31st in accuracy. Ben Roethlisberger has been borderline awful, atrocious, terrible this year at football. So anybody that's saying that he's anywhere near an MVP, obviously it's for clicks. Obviously it's to try and stir up some sort of a debate on social media and stuff. So you get more attention to your name. That is basically like what those Skip Bayless type personalities embody in terms of like their knowledge of the game and that type of stuff. But yeah, look, you're not getting any rushing upside from Ben Roethlisberger. I can argue with you that Ben Roethlisberger has been a bottom 10 quarterback in the NFL this year. His team is obviously undefeated, but that is by no means because of himself. It's more so because of his head coach, play calling, scheming, those amazing wide receivers that they have, and then mainly anchoring their defense. But with that all said, Ben Roethlisberger's in play 
play for me. And the big reason why, another underrated reason, at least, is on a two-game sleep. I'm still stacking. I'm still going, for example, Ben Roethlisberger, Deontay Johnson, running back with an Antonio Gibson, running back with a probably more so game flow-wise. And this one, as an underdog, is Terry McLaurin. I'm still going to be game stacking every single one of my lineups. I might full-on game stack, right? Ben Roethlisberger, Claypool, Deontay, running back with somebody on the opposite team. I still think that correlation beats the upside of trying to pick apart these games and get the right spot. I, th- I still think hitting on the proper game in this one makes the most sense. There's only two games to choose from. And Ben Roethlisberger is very easy to stack up with his wide receivers and his tight end because there's basically four guys in this offense that get volume in the passing game. James Robinson, Ray Ray McLeod here and there. They'll run like 12 to 15 routes, get a target or two. But there's basically three top receivers and a tight end. And it's really hard to go wrong. So it's just kind of easy to stack him up. So Ben Roethlisberger is a yes. Finally, we'll go to Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins is only going to be in play because look, the team total is decent. Now I assume that they're going to try and run the hell out of this ball. But Buffalo, because Buffalo's a bad run defense, Buffalo's defense overall this year has not been great. But Nick Mullins has also not been great now. For basically the last three weeks, he's looked absolutely atrocious. Against the Rams last week, I mean, a brutal matchup, but he only ends up getting you nine fantasy points the week before that. New Orleans, again, another tough matchup, just 12.2 fantasy points. Last week, he at least averaged 7.3 yards per attempt. Then he gets the Packers on that like Thursday night football game. He actually plays well, 8.3 yards per attempt, 291 yards. They were never in that game, and he was facing a lot of soft zones in the second half, but only 12 and a half fantasy points. And then similar to Josh Allen, his best performance on the year, like Josh Allen, was against Seattle this year in week eight when he ends up going for 9.5 yards per attempt, 17 and a half fantasy points. We've seen Nick Mullins do well against porous defenses or bottom half of the league defenses this year. He's also had a pretty surprising start against the Giants earlier this year. 343 yards, nine and a half yards per attempt. He gets 17 and a half fantasy points. His problem is just overall passing touchdown volume, right? He's averaging basically one passing touchdown per game at this point. Something else that's interesting about Nick Mullins, he's he's actually been decent in terms of accuracy this year. Like deep ball percentage, number one in the NFL in his deep ball percentage, 77%. His pressure completion percentage is number two. So under pressure, he's the number two quarterback this year in terms of passing. He's allowing a number 12 overall catchable ball rate to his wide receivers and number seven in yards per attempt. Historically, he's been a pretty decent yards per attempt player. Now he's been all over the place this year. Basically two starts this year, about 17 to 18 fantasy points. One at 20 fantasy points with the DraftKings bonus would have maybe been in play on this type of a slate. So we know he has that upside in a game where he has a nice implied team total. It keeps him in play, especially if you're trying to choose between one of these cheaper wide receivers or quarterbacks, and then just pay up all the way up at all the wide receiver spots, all the running back spots, tight ends, basically just a pay down spot automatically on this slate. So although his projection isn't going to look that nice, especially if you're looking at mine, 15.4 fantasy point projection, I do think there's some variance in there where he scores 18 points tonight. Josh Allen, Big Ben only scores 17 or 18. And for that price discount, you can do anything you want and get unique within your lineup. So he's going to be in play in my stacks or he's going to be in play also in my stacks, but just in my player pools. I'm not going to get to any Alex Smith. That team total is just atrocious at 18 and a half. He has a pretty porous overall projection for me. Uh, tough matchup. So toughest matchup on the slate with the lowest implied team total because of that, a lowest in projection. I'd rather pay $200 more for Mr. Nicholas Mullins. And that's, let's now move over to the running back page. So to start it off up top is Mr. Antonio Gibson, who just stole the absolute show on Thanksgiving. No Antonio Gibson, no money on Thanksgiving. The kid rushed for 36.6 fantasy points, by far his career high performance with 136 rushing yards or total yards, three touchdowns, 20 attempts, had seven targets as well, caught five of them. So this is interesting. Like the game flow in that game, for the most part, they were dominating the game. So you don't see JD McKissick on the field that much, but he still had Antonio Gibson running 18 routes, seeing seven targets to JD McKissick just running nine routes last week. Now, if they're in a situation in this game against Pittsburgh, where they're down by 14 points, I do think you end up getting JD McKissick, who is still more of the better route runner, the more crisp route runner there as he's a veteran, the rookie Antonio Gibson not being as much of a veteran, probably running more routes last week, 18, just because he was on the field more in running down situations. But Gibson has been very good now. Back-to-back games of 100 total yards. He has now scored 10 or more fantasy points in every single game since week two, very quietly a top five overall non-PPR running back on the season. He has now scored at least 17 or more fantasy points in three straight games. So look, he's gonna have his toughest task of the season. He's been dominating very porous defenses. Let's be honest here. Dallas in his last game out, Cincinnati, Detroit, week nine against the Giants. They actually limit him. Just 55 total yards, I believe on 10 total opportunities. Then he goes off against Dallas again, the Giants again before that limit him. So he's been limited by the Giants. He was limited by the Rams when he faced them. Goes off against a bad run defense.
defense that we've seen multiple times on this year in the Baltimore Ravens. So he's had his opportunities and he's really balled out in these favorable matchups. He's taken advantage of them, which is exactly what you want to see out of anybody. So the question marks coming out of college with a small sample size, it seems like he's paying them off. Can he get it done in this matchup against the Steelers? And a big question is, can he get it done in terms of, will he continue to get the passing game work? Or if they get down by 10, is it going to be the JD McKissick show like we saw about a month ago? So that is my major concern here, but I do think the volume is going to be there. I do think you see 12 to 14 touches, almost force fed to Antonio Gibson in this one, right? Uh, the team total is not great. Being an underdog as a six and a half point is not great. I do think that if you're building one lineup, you can very easily get away from Antonio Gibson here because then you're naturally just paying down a running back below $6,000. So he's going to be a yes for me if I'm playing 150 lineups. I assume I'm going to have like 25 to 35 plus percent. But if I'm building just one lineup to get different, the matchup's a nice thing to leverage off of. I assume ownership comes in high here. Look, he leads the slate in efficiency for fantasy points and fantasy points per touch. If you take out like Jeff Wilson, he's been very good this year. A 6.4% touchdown rate also is the highest on the slate outside of Jeff Wilson. His 12.6 attempts per game is second highest on the slate. So he's going to get opportunity. You're on a slate where there's not that many guys getting that much opportunity. But Antonio Gibson, for me, probably the most talented running back on the slate. If I'm building just one lineup today in like a higher stake single entry three max, I lean to try and get away from him, pay up a quarterback, pay up a wide receiver, and then you're naturally getting a little bit different there in your lineups, but Antonio Gibson has been very good. He's fourth in total touchdowns right now with 11. He's ninth in running backs fantasy points per game, but overall fantasy points per game and half point PPR, he is top five. He's number six in breakaway runs. He's averaging 5.1 yards per touch, which is top 20 in the NFL. And he currently sits at number 10 in evaded tackles with 48 on the season. So he's, this is a guy who was like a, a part-time running back for like, honestly, the first month and a half to two months of the season. And he's still top 10 in some of these efficiency metrics. He's still top 10 in broken tackles right now. He ranks 14th overall in carries. And if you're looking at overall opportunities this year, he's going to rank top 10 when you factor in his 39 targets. So Antonio Gibson is going to be a yes for me in my large field stuff. Again, if you're playing just one lineup, I still think that he's a fine play. Like he's going to project out nice. Uh, Antonio Gibson is currently my highest projected running back, but he's priced for that, right? He's not my number one value running back. He's actually basically tied for number two, which is why if the ownership comes in high, we'll have that on Patreon later today, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore. So check that out down below. Best time to sign up is right now towards the beginning of the month. Get that best bang for your buck, get loaded up, get ready to go to war as everybody else is just coming into war with nothing. You're coming in with ballistic vests. You're coming in with shields. You're coming in with all the calibers and all the ammunition that you possibly can have, the rifles, and everybody else is just coming in with nothing. And they're like, wait, this was a war. And that's honestly what you're going to be if you don't have any tools. You're going to be having a major uphill battle when everybody else has a lot more tools. They have all the answers to the test or at least a lot of the answers to the test and they studied and you don't even know there's a test today, right? So anyways, next up is going to be the undrafted player out of Purdue, the man who was like 29 years old at this point, and that is Raheem Mostart. Raheem Mostart in that last week actually returned against LA. He got hurt in week six against LA. Then he returns. He plays 40% of the snaps against LA and they make him RB1 right away. He sees 16 carries. He sees 18 overall touches on 18 opportunities with his receptions. Doesn't do that well in a very difficult matchup on just seven routes run, 43 total yards, a touchdown, gets 10 fantasy points. But he's going to be the bell count now. And he's actually a favorite in this game with a 24 implied team total, a one point favorite with by far the best matchup on the slate against Buffalo, who's allowing 22.8 fantasy points per game. He leads the slate in yards per attempt at 5.2. He leads the slate in overall opportunities in terms of carries right now with 13.4. Factor in his receptions, he has over 16 overall opportunities per game. That is right there neck and neck with Antonio Gibson. And yet again, Raheem Mostart has just been very good this year. It's a smaller sample because of how much he's been hurt. Number three in yards per touch at 6.2 so far to this point in the season. That is very good to see. He has a top 10 overall dominator rating this year when he's been healthy. Raheem Mostart is going to be a yes for me right now. I do prefer him to Antonio Gibson, probably in all formats when you factor in this price discount. Raheem Mostart, a pretty strong and appealing yes for me. 
me. Next up, we get to Benny Snell at $5,400. Again, I do prefer Mostart. He's probably my favorite running back play on the slate right now. Benny Snell is an interesting case study here, right? You had no James Conner this week and you had him no last week because of the COVID list. He plays 70% of the snaps. He sees 20 overall opportunities, 16 attempts, four targets, 19 touches, and three red zone targets, but he doesn't do that much with them, right? His three receptions, he ended up getting all of his yardage between receiving and rushing to just 93, no touchdowns, 12.3 fantasy points. They gave Anthony McFarlane some work. I thought they were going to give him more, but they seem pretty determined to just lean on in this game with a big lead. Benny Snell. And against the Ravens, who don't have that great of a run defense, we just talked about how Antonio Gibson gashed him up in like week four this year. Not that great of a run defense this year compared to past years. He doesn't do all that much against them. That's a little bit concerning to see. Now he gets Washington, who actually has a pretty above average run defense so far this season. Again, kind of concerning, but it was the big thing. It was nice to see Benny Snell get involved in the passing game. And he looked decent there, right? His four targets actually in that game were more than he had seen all year before that. He only seen three targets in the season coming into that game. He only saw two receptions in the season coming into that game. He ends up seeing three with in that game alone. So that's good to see. If we continue to see these 17 route run numbers, like in that last game, 15 routes run in the game, that little bit of a floor, right? Two receptions for 15 yards, that three and a half fantasy point floor, that half a touchdown floor that we can get out of him, if that's the case, is very good to see. Benny Snell for me, as the biggest favorite on this slate, six and a half points with the highest team total, checks a lot of boxes, is going to be a yes for me on this two game slate. And now we get into some of the maybes. And these are the types of guys that honestly, right, if you're going to be playing one of them in your running back spots, one of them in your flex spots, honestly, they're the types of guys that are definitely going to be more naturally lower owned in this spot. Look, you have nobody on this slate that's like a slam dunk running back. And if you do, they're in a tough situation like Antonio Gibson at his fantasy points per game number. I do think Mozart would be that slam dunk guy, but there's definitely a case to be made that Benny Snell just goes out there. Maybe Anthony Marfalling gets some more work. He only scores like 10 fantasy points if he stays out of the end zone. If he's going to continue to get 20 opportunities, there's a decent chance as this big of a favorite with three to four implied touchdowns. Benny Snell's probably going to find the touchdown more times than not in these types of situations. And that's why his touchdown props are going to be like some of the shortest on the slate right now, based on the volume and opportunity and his team going to be able to move the ball. But I do think Zach Moss is pretty interesting. Zach Moss now in four straight games has gone over 50% of the snaps as the number one back in this offense. In this last game, he took on most more of a workhorse role against the Chargers. 64% of the snaps. He ran 18 routes, the second most he's seen on the season. He had 11 overall opportunities in this game. That now marks three out of the last four games with 11 or more opportunities, 68 total yards and 8.8 fantasy points. So he's still in this opportunity share split with Devin Singletary, but it's nice to see these snaps have continuously grown now. He's seen again, 52 or more percent of the snaps now in four straight weeks with a season high 64% the last time out there. You're probably going to get around 10, 11 overall touches for him as a one point underdog. He's getting a decent amount of red zone work so far in the season with 18 red zone touches is 2.2 per game. That's pretty decent to see. You're not getting anything else outstanding though. Like his yards per touch are not great. Neither are Devin Singletary's 4.6 yards per touch for Zach Moss right now, 3.9 yards per carry. You're basically banking on the touchdown here, right? Or maybe a little bit of an increase in his receptions, 12 routes per game right now. And he's seen 11 receptions on the year, about 1.4 per start. So what you're hoping out of Zach Moss is he's averaging like 8.8 points per game. You're hoping that he just finds the end zone. He gets you to that 12 to 13 point performance that he's been able to do a couple of times this year because he's been able to find the end zone a couple of times this year. Double digit fantasy points for Zach Moss so far this year in four of his eight starts. That's not that bad at all. And in one of them was last week about nine fantasy points. So I think more times than not, you're going to see Zach Moss project out for around that eight to nine fantasy point number. If he gets in the end zone, he will be in your winning lineups more times than not on this slate. So Zach Moss is definitely in play for me. He's pretty close to a yes just because of the price discount he offers you off of some of these other guys. But just the overall volume of Mostart, Gibson, and Snell are going to keep them above him. McKissick's an interesting one. And we said this for a couple of weeks now, because look, if they actually get down and start to trail in this game, because they're coming off of back-to-back wins, a pretty easy game flow where they're up by a lot because Joe Burrow gets hurt against Cincinnati. No reason for McKissick to really play there. He runs 18 rounds at least, but he doesn't get that much usage, just 10 fantasy points. Last week against Dallas, they're blowing them out left and right. It's the Antonio Gibson show. So it makes sense that McKissick goes in on the field as much. Just three opportunities total, 41% of the snaps is the lowest that we've seen out of McKissick this whole entire season. Again, is that because of these game flows the last couple of weeks? Just nine routes run last week. Again, they're up a lot, so it makes sense, but that is also the lowest that he's seen. 
The week before that, they were up by a lot, but he still saw 18 routes run against Cincinnati. So we're barely holding on for hope that McKissick, if they get down by 10 in this game, will get back on the field and run his 20 to 30 routes like he was for basically the couple of weeks before that, before the Cincinnati game. But right now, I am going to be liking Zach Moss a little bit more. And then we'll close it out with Devin Singletary, who, look, he ended up seeing a nice game the last time out. After not really getting much usage against Seattle and Arizona in those games total, just six total attempts, he then comes out against the Chargers and sees 14 overall touches, right? On 14 opportunities, 11.2 fantasy points. That's the second time he scored double digit fantasy points in the past month. I'm a little bit concerned by it though. I don't want to chase it. If the ownership on Devin Singletary is going to be higher than say Zach Moss, I'm just going to be going to Zach Moss there. So these running backs look very similar. I'll still stick with Zach Moss who's getting the red zone touches at this point and who's getting consistently more snaps and is on the field more. Zach Moss has 11 more red zone touches on the season. So give me Zach Moss over Singletary. Singletary's in play, very cheap at 4,300. The cheapest I'd go to a running back today. But I likely still prefer Zach Moss in that backfield. Now let's go to wide receivers, which is probably gonna be the most important position on this slate as there's just a lot of very good wide receivers, as you can see right here from all my yeses on the slate. Let me lower this a little bit so you can see all of my players that I have interest in at the wide receiver position early on. Again, we will be live at 3 p.m. East Coast time so you can get all your questions in on the live stream. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button, notification bell as well so you can be notified of when all that is going to drop. Right now, as we started off with Terry McLaurin, he's gonna be one of my best value plays at 6,500. Look, he's just way too cheap. This is a $7,000 wide receiver and a very tough matchup against Joe Hayden, who was hurt in the last game, so just keep a close eye on that. But he's just dominated tough matchups all year. He's recently had a lot of good matchups, but James Bradbury in week nine scores 25 and a half fantasy points. Trevion Diggs, the Cal Dallas Cowboys best cornerback who's nowhere near the skill set that he's going to be facing probably Joe Hayden, but still 22 and a half fantasy points. James Bradbury again, 14 and a half fantasy points. 14 and a half fantasy points might actually get it done on this type of a slate or not bury your lineups. He's been good all year. Some other names, Patrick Peterson, he dropped 25 and a half fantasy points on, right? So the last couple of weeks, he's had very easy matchups. Detroit against Trufant, Cincinnati against William Jackson, who Jackson's actually been decent, but he's dropped 17.2, 13.4, and 16.2 fantasy points. You're basically getting right now like a walking 15 fantasy points out of McLaurin, but this will be his toughest task, yes, and also a very tough task for Alex Smith more so, right? We're concerned more so for the quarterback after he's going to be facing pressure in this game. For Alex Smith, who historically has not been the greatest under pressure, especially when targeting deep, but you're getting 9.3 targets per game, second highest in the slate. The number one air yard market share is just going to give you so much opportunity at 84.6 on the slate, highest yards per game at 88. Terry McLaurin is going to remain in play for me. He's somebody that right now projects out as my second highest projected wide receiver. I don't love it if it's going to be like the highest owned guy, because again, similar to his teammate, Antonio Gibson, he is going to probably be highly owned in a spot where they don't have a great team total. But at least in McLaurin's case, as a six and a half point underdog, that usually leads to more throwing and a matchup against Pittsburgh that one-on-one, -on -one, the matchups might be tough, but overall they have allowed points to wide receivers because a lot of the times they're just a lot up by a lot. So games against Jacksonville, you're picking up like 150 yards in the second half, easier against a softer defense with less pass rush and less blitz. So we'll go to Terry McLaurin, the man who's featuring a 25% target share, the man who has a 100% route participation rate, number two in the NFL in air yard market share, number four in receiving yards, and number one in yards after the catch. So give us Terry McLaurin. He's a yes. Should be pretty obvious to all of you. And then all these Pittsburgh wide receivers are yeses for me. I mean, I really can't uh, tell you that one of them is not going to be in play because they've all been fantastic. They all literally in that last game was like the definition of it. None, none of them find the end zone. They drop in passes left and right. Claypool, right? Deontay Johnson dropping passes. Deontay should have had a touchdown. But you come off of a week where Deontay Johnson plays his highest snaps right now of his career at 90% of the snaps, runs his most routes at 48 in that last game, sees 13 targets. That is now four straight games of 10 plus targets for Deontay Johnson and games where he has remained healthy this year. Every single game that he has remained healthy. He left Houston early, Philly early, and he only played limited snaps because of a hamstring against Baltimore. He has seen at least 10 targets in every single one of those games. Absolute monster. He now has six more receptions in four straight games. And this is Deontay Johnson's floor if he's going to see this many targets. Eight catches, 46 yards last week on 68 air yards, 12.6 fantasy points. So now he has a much easier matchup after coming off of a Marcus Peters matchup. I like Deontay Johnson right now. I expect Deontay Johnson to be the highest owned Pittsburgh wide receiver. A peek behind the curtain on Patreon, I have Deontay Johnson projected for 14.8 fantasy points. I do have him projected as the highest projected Steelers wide receiver, not my best value Steelers wide receiver, but best point per dollar 
Steelers wide receiver right now. Deontay Johnson remains in play as a yes. Chase Claypool, we like the touchdown upside more so here. Him and Chase Claypool, meaning Deontay and Chase Claypool, both have a lot of yards after the catch. Chase Claypool currently ranks number 20 in yards after the catch. And keep in mind, though, he was not a full-time player until like week three or week four. He's number four in the NFL in deep targets right now. He's getting a lot of red zone opportunities so far this season with eight red zone opportunities and five red zone receptions. Chase Claypool probably plays Ronald, faces Ronald Darby today, which is going to be a massive positive advantage for him. And again, the opportunity is fantastic. Five straight games of eight or more targets for Chase Claypool. And this is now five or more games with at least 11 fantasy points. Chase Claypool for me in this matchup against Ronald Darby, he's might be the lowest owned Steelers guy because Juju's a little bit cheaper. Deontay keeps getting this insane volume, but Chase Claypool's volume is very much so right there as well. Six catches, 52 yards against Mar- Marlon Humphrey last week, basically a lot out of the slot, a lot on the outside. He kind of went half and half. So Chase Claypool at $6,100. I continue to harp that the upside because of his touchdown upside is going to be there. Deontay Johnson in terms of cash. Yes, the consistency is there. Good GPP option. I think the answer might be to just play two of these guys and Chase Claypool, the touchdown upside against Ronald Darby. I'm going to be taking that. I like this matchup a lot for him. And then lastly, we'll close out these Steelers wide receivers. I'm not going to have interest in Ray Ray McLeod or even James Washington. James Washington, maybe he's like borderline to get in my player pool. I don't think I'll get there. He's running like 14, 15 routes, getting two or three targets. If you think that's enough to score a touchdown, you can go to it. Lastly, we'll go to Juju, who's going to be facing Jimmy Moreland in this one. And this is a good matchup for him. And again, Juju, another Steeler wide receiver, nine targets last week, eight receptions. He has now seen seven or more targets in five of his last six games after it seemed like he wasn't even in play on this team to start the year. Although we started with 25, 12, and 14 fantasy points. So, you know, people just got mad that he did two bad weeks in a row. He's been very good since then. He coming off of a matchup against Tremont Williams in that matchup where Jimmy Smith got banged up. He did very well. 93% of the snaps is a season high. 50 routes run, I believe, is a career high. It has to be very close to it, if not. And Juju is my number one value play in terms of these Steelers wide receivers. Look, he's $5,700 and he's seeing similar volume. He's coming off of nine, five, 13 target games, right? He's coming off of 18, six, 23 fantasy points. He's seeing similar volume out of the slot. He'll also have a positive matchup in the slot in this one against Moreland, like we mentioned. So right now, Juju is actually going to be my best value play at the Steelers wide receivers. Chase Claypool is my favorite GPP upside play. And Deontay Johnson is just a fine option in both. So I'd probably take Deontay Johnson and pair him with one of these other wide receivers if you're probably playing one lineup, especially if you're going to stack Big Ben. Next up, we get Debo Samuel. And no, I am not concerned if Debo Samuel sees Tredavious White. The way that they get Debo Samuel involved on pitch plays, on end arounds, on all these types of uh, receptions out of the slot where Tredavious White won't be. Just look at last week. He faces, or two weeks ago, he faces Stefan Gilmore. He puts up a pretty respectable performance, right? 65 yards on five receptions, 12.2 fantasy points. That probably gets it done for you. That's around where his projection is today, maybe a little bit below that. And he gets Troy Hill, who just had an interception, a pick six, his first of his career against, I believe, Kyler Murray yesterday, 24.3 fantasy points. Debo, when he's been healthy this year, and he's been playing actually full-time positions, has faced some top cornerbacks, Stefan Gilmore, Jalen Ramsey, Darius Slay, Xavier Howard, and he's had very good performances. Just the ways that he's going to be getting involved right now, right? Coming off of a 13 target game, 11 receptions. Some of them are just pitch plays. I like those easy manufactured touches for Debo Samuel in a matchup where they're going to have a 24 implied team total. He has the second highest catch rate on the slate at 77.1. He leads the slate in separation for wide receivers by far at 4.7. You're telling me you're going to get open and be schemed open even more. Give me Debo Samuel. I prefer him over Brandon Ayuk, but I do think Brandon Ayuk is in play. And then a guy that I like a lot. Keep in mind that John Brown is still on the injured reserve. I do think that you do have in play Gabriel Davis He'll be in play fine, $4,300. But his teammate Cole Beasley is only $4,900. Going to face Emmanuel Mosley, which would have been a tougher matchup last year than this year. I do like myself some Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley threw a touchdown in the last game to Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis finishes with the better stat line, like 80 yards and a touchdown. So maybe more people go to him at the cheaper price point. But Cole Beasley has been a lot more consistent, right? Only four targets in that last game. That's going to be beneficial to us because maybe it pulls some people off of him because before that, he was having the number one fantasy receiver week of the season and week 10 against Byron Humphrey with 28 points. And we've seen him consistently see about six to seven 
targets so far this year. I like Cole Beasley a lot. He's my number one value play at the wide receiver position on the slate, a 19% target share so far this season. You're seeing the six most slot routes out of Cole Beasley on the year. You're seeing so far seven red zone targets, which is also a nice little metric for him. And a 90% catch rate is number five in the NFL. Cole Beasley right now is a yes for me. You might be saying, Sal, how, how have you not said anything about Steph Diggs? Steph Diggs is, is surely in play. He's my highest projected wide receiver. It all comes down to salary and how much you want to get different. If you're going to play Josh Allen with Steph Diggs, you can still easily find a salary elsewhere because there's not that many expensive guys. But just keep in mind that it's going to be a pretty chalky stack. Who knows if we're going to see Richard Sherman in this one, but Jason Verrett, if not, it's going to be a very strong matchup for Steph Diggs. You know what? Screw up. There's no reason to get a little bit cute here. We're going to make Steph Diggs a yes because the guy's averaging seven targets per game. He's averaging a 35% overall air yard market share of targets. We just have to hope that for my sake and my season long stake, in terms of getting to my playoffs in my main league, that this motherfucker doesn't go for like 25 fantasy points at this point. But even his most pedestrian outings, like last week, seven catches on nine targets, 39 yards, 11 fantasy points is like his worst performance that you're going to find on the season for Steph Diggs. So highest projected right now wide receiver. Steph Diggs is firmly in play. He is expensive though. I do right now prefer from a point per dollar standpoint, Terry McLaurin's pretty much consistency is very similar and upside downfield and his air yards is actually higher right now. But Steph Diggs is definitely in play. Gabe Davis, Cam Sims, Kendrick Bourne, also my player pool. Kendrick Bourne running a lot of routes right now, but but Brandon Ayuk is returning this week. So Kendrick Bourne probably doesn't make it into many or any of my lineups. Just important to call out that he is running routes. But with the rookie Ayuk returning, I think that that goes down. Cam Sims, very quietly. Now he's not being involved that much, but very quietly running like 25 routes a game. He's just a flat minimum of $3,000. So if you were to punt the position today, he has to actually score points. Like he would have to get you a, he's had a hundred yard game so far this year with Alex Smith, but he would have to get you like 80 yards on four catches to actually probably be in the winning lineup because points matter on these two game slates a lot more than just the value. But at $3,000 to run 25 routes, I actually think that if you're going to punt a player right anywhere below, let's say Gabe Davis's $4,300 price point, you have a bunch of guys in the 3k range. I do prefer Cam Sims to Bourne, to Washington, to Richie James, all these other guys because of just the overall opportunity that he is getting. Let's now close up the slate with the tight end position. Again, I will call out that Superdraft is a sponsor of the show. Use my name, Sal, upon deposit. They'll give you free money bonus in a slow drip format. You get it as you play on Superdraft down below, SAL. You can find the link down below if you want to support this channel. Thank you, Superdraft, for supporting the channel as well. And if you want to support them because they support me, go ahead and do that down below. It's pretty straightforward, right? I don't really care about any of these other tight ends in Dawson Knox, Croft, Dwelly, McDonald barely running any routes. It's the three guys. Just choose whichever ones you want that fit into your lineup. Choose the ones that fit into your game stacks best, honestly. So for example, if you're going to be starting Big Ben today, well then probably start either Eric Ebron or on the opposite side of that one in a run back, Logan Thomas. Like that's how I'm going to be approaching tight end today, just running them back because they don't really stand that far apart. Basically, Logan Thomas Reed and Eric Ebron are all projected within a half a point of a point of each other. They're all around like eight or nine fantasy point projection. They all have pretty similar matchups in terms of how these defenses, Washington, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh defend the tight end. And they're all looking at very similar targets on the year. Eric Ebron averaging 5.6 targets per game. Uh, Logan Thomas, 5.5. Jordan Reed, five targets per game in a smaller sample. They all look like the exact same tight end today in terms of how they fit into their offense. They run out of the slot a lot. They run in the middle of the field a lot. Eric Ebron coming off of all those drops in that last game, but there's not much reason to get too in-depth these tight ends because again, basically they all look the same. Right now on Patreon, if I tell you, I'm not going to tell you which one is which. You can get that on Patreon if you want to track it down below. But 9.4, 8.4, 8.2 fantasy points is like basically the difference between all these guys. They all look very similar to me. After that, no interest in anybody else. Dawson Knox would be the only other tight end I consider because he's at least running some routes, seeing like two or three targets a game right now. All the other guys are backup tight ends on this slate, but I don't think Dawson Knox is all that appealing, especially when you factor in Logan Thomas is only $200 more. Uh, Jordan Reed, who's getting a lot of targets per route run right now, which is some of the highest in the NFL, including wide receivers. He's only like $300 more. Let's look at his target share percentage this year, right? So his target share percentage is just 15%, five targets per game. But his target rate in terms of how many times he runs around and is targeted is right now 
37%. That is currently 13th in the NFL amongst all players. So he's been very much involved. And this is what you're seeing out of Jordan Reed. The two games since he's been back, five catches on six targets, 62 yards. And he had six targets in the last game, just didn't connect as much. Just two receptions, 18 yards, 3.8 fantasy points. But these guys are all in play based on how often they're being used, how often they are running routes, 40 routes run for Jordan Reed in the last two weeks. So Eric Ebron, Reed, and Thomas are all in play for me. Again, if you're asking me, Sal, but which one's your favorite? It's going to be depending on who my quarterback is and basically how I can fit them into my stacks and get some upside from the correlation to win a GPP for that. So thank you so much everybody for tuning in. A really long one for a two game slate. I wasn't expecting that, but I wanted to get as deep dived into it. And if you appreciate this, if you're listening on the podcast version, and if you could take 30 seconds to leave a review, even if you're watching on YouTube and you can do that, it really helps us try and punch up against all the ESPN and CBS guys. We're like in the top 30 in fantasy podcasts. And every time you leave a review, we actually go higher and higher because it lets more people see us. So it takes 30 seconds of your time, five-star rating and review on the Apple podcast store. If you have an Apple device or the Stitcher store or Stitcher just in general, if you have an Android device, like and subscribe before you go. And I'll see you in not that long. This video is going to be up by around 8 a.m. And I'll see you all about 3 p.m. So be sure to watch the video. Like, subscribe. It doesn't have that long of a shelf life for a long video. Thank you so much. And I'll see you all in the next one. We have a Tuesday showdown slate. We'll have the Tuesday betting video out. And we have a Thursday showdown slate, Wednesday, early look at the main slate. Lots of stuff going out this week. So I appreciate you all. Thank you so much. See you in the next one. Enjoy the rest of your Monday and enjoy the start of your week.